got your Bibles, this morning we are in Judges chapter 2. We have been this spring in a study of Philippians 1 called Gospel Impact. Next weekend we're going to finish that up, chapter 1. Of course, it's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, that's a weekend when a lot of times people travel and, and do different things. We're going to be here. We're going to have a wonderful time worshiping the Lord, talking about suffering gospel impact and end of philippians chapter one then two weeks from today for the summer we're going to do a summer study studying the life of david out of first and second samuel it's going to be a great time and then in the fall we'll get back to philippians 2 but this morning i want to talk about generation next here from genesis 2 because if you're familiar with the bible one of the things the big pieces is the exodus right moses is raised up by a great leader by god to lead the children of israel out of egypt eventually to the promised land what he does is he chooses a right-hand man, a guy by the name of Joshua. And we read about Joshua very early on in the story. So they get out of Egypt, they get through the Red Sea, and then they end up at Mount Sinai, and that's where we first meet Joshua, Moses' assistant, and he goes up. One of the things that we see in Numbers chapter 11 is that Joshua the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses, from his youth. And what's interesting is you know that Moses actually led the exodus when he was 80 years old. And Moses reaches back to another generation, probably, we don't know for certain, but probably Joshua was at least 50 years younger than him. And he invests in a next generation leader. And so now for 40 years, Joshua is being trained. He's watching Moses. He's getting to lead the battles. And finally, they're getting ready after 40 years to go into the promised land. Moses, 120. Remember, God says, you can't go in, Moses, because you weren't obedient to me. Back at the, the rock, you, you hit it instead of spoke to it. But Joshua is going to lead them in. The very last chapter in the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy 34 says, Now, Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and then the sons of Israel listened to him. Now, if you know anything about Old Testament history, you know the sons of Israel don't listen to anybody, right? But they did. And that is the story of Joshua. Joshua now... Because Moses had conveyed this leadership, had raised him up in the eyes of the people, now he, he basically places his hands on him. If you like the poker analogy, he gives them all his chips. And Joshua now leads them into the promised land. And they go from victory to victory, conquering the land, driving out the enemies. I mean, Joshua was this great, incredible leader. But it's because Moses raised up generation next now what's interesting when you look at joseph's influence joseph had a great influence on his generation but i'm going to suggest to you if joseph or joshua excuse me not joseph joshua if joshua failed it was that he failed to raise up the next in fact if you're in Josh, judges chapter two here too many j's this morning judges chapter two verse seven it says this, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work the Lord 
which he had done for Israel. Joshua influenced his generation so much so that Israel followed the Lord during Joshua. He was a great leader. And even those elders that he put around him, they followed the Lord all their days. But now notice verse 10. It says, all that generation all were gathered to their fathers. Now that's a really polite way of saying they all died. Okay? They all died. What does it say? And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord nor yet the work which he had done to Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. I'm going to suggest that Joshua's failure was raising up the next generation. And folk, when you think about us as a church, and you think about Christianity, what you have to understand is that Christianity is always just one generation from extinction. And that's how God designed it. He designed for what we do to be passed personally. Generation to generation, parent to child, friend to friend, relationship to relationship. That is God's plan. You see, Christianity was never designed to be passed politically, where we become a quote-unquote Christian nation. And so everybody who's born into this Christian nation, you know, just gets it by osmosis. It doesn't work that way. Because Christianity at its heart is a relationship, right? Am I, am I wrong? It's a relationship with Jesus. And it's in the vibrancy of that relationship that we pass it on from generation to generation. And here's the thing, folk. You've got to understand that if one generation fails, Christianity will die. Think of Europe. So Paul in Philippians is there in Rome. He's being persecuted. But remember... Praetorian guard, Caesar's households coming to faith in Christ. Or the next couple hundred years, Christianity permeated the Roman Empire till 312 of Constantine it actually became the religion of Rome and the Roman Empire. And then you watch over the next hundreds and hundreds of years as it permeated Europe. But today, if you were to go to most of Europe, finding a church that gathers to worship and to proclaim the name of Jesus and to preach the message of salvation, you would be hard-pressed. You will find the churches because they're on the tourist site. They're beautiful buildings. But nothing is happening. Why? Because a generation failed. You kind of got to wonder about America, don't you? Back in the 50s and the 60s, maybe even the 70s, everything was going so well. Did we get comfortable thinking that, hey, this is the way, and did we lose sight of passing that message off? Is that maybe even some of what's playing out? Folks, I, 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 I really kind of stole the, the, the title statement there. Because when I went to Moody Bible Institute, you know, just a few years ago, <clears throat> but when I went, the president who was there, a guy by the name of George Sweeting, almost every time he got up in front of the student body would say that very thing. He reminded us again and again and again, the torts have been passed to us. 
and that Christianity was just one generation away from extinction. So here's the thing. In our disciple-making, what we're called to do, we've got to focus on the next generation. We, it is essential for us to raise up the young people to love and to know and to passionately follow Jesus. That's upon us. Now, we're all expecting Jesus to come back, right? Yeah, that's what we're living for. But if he doesn't and we fail, Christianity die here in America. It's upon us. And so, folks, that's why here, in the 24 years I've been a part, and I would suggest even going back before that, what, what for us has been really important is teaching and training kids. In fact, if you were to go into our toddlers and our preschool and our grade schools today, what you would hear is Bible lessons. Not trying to replace parents. No, that's ultimately parents' job to teach them. But for us to come along and to supplement that and teach them the Word of God. And I've got to be honest with you. This is one thing that in 30 some odd years of being a pastor, I don't get. Why is it that there's ever a need for more help in children's ministry? That ought to be the one where we're standing in line going, I'm waiting for a slot to open up. Or we're rotating every three months because we've got so many people. Because, folks, this is what we're called to do is to make. And when you find out that, what, 75, 78% of everybody who comes to faith in Christ comes between the ages of 4 and about 18 where is it that we ought to be putting our time? And then once they become high schoolers, it's to lead them into strong, vibrant relationships with Christ so that they not only know what they believe, but why they believe it in this generation where there's somehow this idea that there's no absolute truth. Folk, we know absolute truth. His name is Jesus. We know absolute truth because it's written in the Word of God. And we know that the Christian worldview is the worldview that makes the most sense for how life is lived and how our soul is designed. And to be able to get that to the point where they understand so they can stand against the lies that are out there in that community. It also leads us to provide internships. So something that we've done for years is trying to find those who want to go into vocational ministry and to invest. I basically mentioned this today because I'm giving you a heads up. As an elder board, as a staff, we've been talking a lot about this in the last few months. It's incumbent upon us to raise the next generation of leaders. We're getting ready. You know, our new fiscal year starts July 1. So you're going to start seeing a budget around here, a proposed budget for, for this next year. The biggest jump in that budget is in internships. We have got to raise up the next generation of leaders. We have got to invest in who are going to lead and, and to passionately take on that message of Jesus Christ. Quite honestly, it's why we're planting churches. And we're planting them with younger guys. Because we have got to do this. Folks, it is incumbent upon us that we have got to reach generation next. doesn't mean that we don't take the gospel to everybody and we're not trying to reach people my age. We are. We're trying to take the gospel to everyone. But as a church, we have got to focus and understand that that next generation, man, it's upon us. If Jesus tarries, that we have passed it on with passion.